Welcome to Turn a Page, the official comic book club for Nerd Initiative. Each week, the NI Bullpen will be covering the world of comics, talking to creators, deep diving into some fantastic stories, and much more. Now let's hand it over to the team and turn a page. And what is going on, everyone? It's Tuesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and you are tuned in to Nerd Initiative's YouTube and streaming services for another edition of Turn a Page, the comic book club by the Nerd Initiative Bullpen. What is going on, everyone? My name is Ken M. You know me as the host of the ODPH podcast, and I'm also Nerd Initiative's comics editor-in-chief. And this is a little different setup because a little peek behind the curtain. We have a very big snowstorm going on in upstate New York, so usually where I throw it to my left, your right at home, we're kind of doing this Brady Bunch style because he's not in studio with me, but you definitely know who he is. So take it away, Tom. Coming at you live and direct straight from the sanctum of awesome. I am off the cuff, Tom, Nerd Initiatives and Pop Culture Connoisseur. As always, it's a pleasure. Oh, absolutely. And underneath me, you know them as the dynamic duo of drafts and dialogue, bringing you the pop culture know-how that you need to know each and every week. It's Matt and Lauren from Hops Geeks News. Guys, what's going on? Gangsters. <laughs> I feel like I'm in the Brady Bunch. <laughs> it does feel like that, yeah. <laughs> well, we are going to be talking about a story because obviously if you've been out of the loop for whatever reason, this upcoming new comic book day, there is a big book that is dropping that everybody needs to have in their collection. We'll talk about it throughout the show. And you're going to see a lot of it going on Nerd Initiative this week. And that is Ghost Machine's debut one-shot which is finally dropping. So after all the hype you've heard at New York Comic Con, the book is finally getting released to the masses, and they are set to kick off a huge 2024. And especially in a few weeks, there's a little tie-in with Nerd Initiative. So I'm going to hand it over to Matt and let him talk about it a little bit. Yeah, man. So next week, as you know, uh, a little Comic-Con in Orlando is taking place called Make-A-Con Orlando from February 1st to February 4th. And uh, Lauren and I are actually going to be there. And they have a really cool event for people to do. Now, we're not going to be able to do it. However, for $600, you can essentially have dinner with the Ghost Machine crew that Friday. And what it entails is you get all sorts of like swag, signed swag, autographs, bags, like prints from the entire Ghost Machine. Like if you know Ghost Machine and you've been paying attention, you know that that's a pretty insane deal. Like it's not just Jeff Johns, Jason Fabic, it's the entire crew. Um, but in addition to that, they also have a pretty cool panel at 11 a.m. on setting up the con that Lauren and I will be attending. Um, so the entire comic con is going to be amazing. There's lots of cool people there. We will in fact have a panel there that I will plug at the end, uh, for day one of MegaCon. but yeah, ghost machine is doing up MegaCon, and, uh, I would pay attention when nerd initiative, you know, all of our pages, like subscribe, all that good stuff because Lauren and I, like I said, are going to be in attendance. So we will be getting to watch that panel and, uh, maybe have some snippets for you. And it's not just a couple of them. It's a, it's like all of them. A bunch of them are going to be there. All of them are doing a mass panel. Yes. The entire crew is going to do the entire panel and that's at 11 AM Saturday morning. And as you know, Saturday is a very busy day for comic cons. So get your seat early. Well, stay off the floor, stay in the panels and the, and the uh, lectures or so to speak, you don't want to be on the floor on Saturday. That's no, definitely especially not. there. Yeah. But especially talking about panels before we get into the book, there's a little big announcement for you two about a panel down there. So Lauren, do you want to break the news to the Turner page audience? Yes. So we actually have two panels back to back. Um, one of them is our own panel at 615 on Thursday. And that is going to be um, Nightmares on Winchester Street, where we analyze horror movies and how Sam and Dean Winchester would handle them. We're also going to have uh, some Supernatural trivia in there. I already have Supernatural stickers and I got candy to give out as well. Lauren's got um, mini pies to hand out. I might have some mini pies. Uh, I might be dressed as the girl version of Dean Winchester as well. I got to put my 
fake tattoos on. Uh, and then at seven, just before seven, Matt will then be leaving that panel a couple minutes early to run upstairs and go to the Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly panel that we that I will then be joining him and we will be hosting that. If you don't know those names, you should. They are collectively known as the Hive Mind. They have done Thunderbolts. They have done Joyride. Um, they have done their current Guardians of the Galaxy run. They've done a bunch of DC stuff as well. Uh, the two of them, you see their names on, on one comic, definitely buy it. Uh, so we're very excited. We've had them on the podcast before. We've reviewed some of their comics. Very excited to meet them in person and actually get to, you know, do a little Q&A at Megacon. So very exciting. Both of those things are Thursday night. I think we're grabbing beers with them after too, which is even better. <laughs> yeah, the um, Jackson's into beer. Well, we're better to go then with the dynamic duo of drafts and dialogue. That's what I'm saying with that. So congratulations to you guys on that. And obviously, if you're following everything with Nerd Initiative, you're going to be seeing a lot more of their coverage down at Megacon Orlando. So make sure you, you follow the simple formula that we'll get into at the end of the show. But it's very simple. Subscribe, like, and share. And that is how you don't miss any minute of the pop culture positivity that only Nerd Initiative can bring you. But you guys came in to hear about a great story. And we definitely want to talk about one because... Ghost Machine kind of made a, a quieter debut, if you will, a couple years ago with an introduction of a character that you're going to be seeing a lot more of in 2024, and that is the character known as Geiger, done by Jeff Johns and Gary Frank. This character really stands out for its unique look, and the story behind it is absolutely incredible. Like we say, the trade paperback is out right now, and this is was kind of like the quiet, slow rollout to what you now know as Ghost Machine. So before we get into the issue, I'm going to start with Tom. Going in, seeing the cover, kind of getting the quick synopsis, like what was your vibe going into this story? Well, this being the first book I have read fully from Ghost Machine, like you got the whole volume, uh, just knowing the clout behind it, I was excited right off from Jump. And just the first few pages had me hooked. The design the artwork i mean it very much felt like it it had a good fall back to like 1960s almost like that really camp mm. you know tales of suspense you know the big heavy lines um but it, you could definitely tell it was still done in a very modern aspect um hey look at me uh, i'm sorry uh <laughs> not in that that type of aspect but i was all about it and i cannot wait to to, to just go off on it. Like, yeah, I got so many questions. Um, so I actually found one of the comics at my comic shop, shop a couple weeks ago that was like, gave a little bit of introduction to some of the characters. So this wasn't my first time reading it, but that was almost like a tease. So I really loved fully diving into Geiger. And I mean, the cover, it just, it looks apocalyptic. You know, clearly something bad went down. So I was already somewhat familiar with the character, but as soon as I opened it and, and seeing the full-on backstory and getting to truly hear, because we also, when we talked to Jeff Johns and Jason Fabok, we did hear a little bit of their, you know, how they would describe Geiger as well. So I, I did know what I was getting myself into, but this comic still exceeded my expectations. I absolutely loved it from beginning to end and, and can't wait to read more, but yeah, I love it. Matt, how about you? Yeah, my first thought uh, was a radioactive superhero of sorts. I'm in. Uh, and then I, I kind of dove into it. I would, didn't expect him to be as warm hearted. Uh, if that's the, the proper term, because it's very surprising, but, uh, my initial thoughts were like the artwork is beautiful. And I thought there was a really cool tale, um, in this post-apocalyptic world that we haven't really seen before, because most of the time, uh, we see people mutated, we see all that kind of stuff, but never have we really seen, somebody who has the ability to harness radiation due to a fallout or what have you. And uh, man, it, I was pleasantly surprised. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, just even looking at the, the cover for issue number one, when it came out, you really kind of get a sense of like, okay, there's something going on here. And I love the, the imagery here that Gary Frank does with Brad Anderson on the coloring too. Just the skull facing back to God yeah. as it's exploding. And that kind of really resonates a, a lot with the story because as it starts kicking off, you start getting this, you know, these scientists are going around and investigating what happened with this explosion. And then you start hearing a little bit more about Tyreek Geiger and everything that he had from his family and how he was trying to protect them. Because this is when you start seeing the unknown war begin. Mm -hmm. And when nuclear warheads are getting shot off, it's never good, obviously. And you're seeing that he is very desperate to protect his family 
from the oncoming attack. And as they're trying to go to their bunker, I mean, you see the image of the rocket on screen right now of him, you know, preparing for what's coming. He is trying to get his family inside the bunker, and yet his neighbors, who are the worst possible people ever, prevent him from doing this because they want to get into the shelter. She's and the HOA president. What's that? Oh, without a doubt. <laughs> Honestly, though, you, I think there is some, some deeper, you know, I'm not trying to get any sort of political, but these two right here, I, I want to say they took from that couple in, I think, St. Louis. Oh, they were like a lawyer or whatever, that when there were the protests going on, they had, he had his, his AR standing oh. on the lawn and she had, I think that, now that was my first thought when I saw this, I was like, oh, they're pulling some deep, because this was 2021, so that was still relatively fresh when this was happening. So there's a lot of like, pulling from Level. real world like this would probably happen in america and uh man as soon as i saw that i was like that's that two people like i, I they're they're slick but they're not that slick yeah because obviously their ramifications they sit there and they're obviously trying to get in the door but he yells i mean in that desperate plea too for the next image it's like he's sitting there screaming i'm like no just shut the door leave me because obviously what we know find out later is he's sick with cancer he's getting treatment for it and then the door is shut, the bomb goes off, and then you're left in this moment where Lauren, like you're seeing this all unfold and just the cloud goes away, everything's wiped away, and then they go 20 years later and you're seeing that their scientists are experimenting about where the bunker is. And then you get to literally where he's standing on top. Mm -hmm. And you have that moment where he goes, you're trespassing. Like you as a reader, like take us through your reaction to this scene. Well, I knew he was protecting what the his wife and kids had gotten into. And that scene too, I was like, please shut the door. Please shut the door. I hate when they're like, no, we're not going to do it without you. It's like, no, this is what the, the father or the, or the mother or the parent wants, like save the kids. So I think that in a world where you know, the neighbors right away are just every man for himself, he's found the only purpose he can find is to still protect his family, whether or not they're alive. Um, mm -hmm. And so he made that his entire personality because what else does he have to live for? I do love though that he's all about books. It's because what else are you going to do? And I mean, that's the only way you can escape in a world where there's you know, no internet, no friends, no family left. He loses himself, ironically, in a book. In a book. Yeah. And then we finally see the fight goes on because obviously they're trying to find what's going on. And he is so desperate to protect his family that we now see the first image of him in his i guess you can say his geiger form and tom what's your reaction when you're seeing this take place i thought this was great one of my favorite things about this whole design here is that you know typically when we see superheroes and especially you know if you throw back to the 90s and the big old barrel chested and over muscular sized characters look at this look at his abdomen instead of getting like the six pack we got we literally have the radioactive symbol right there you know, I thought that was just a great design choice. Not nine out of 10 times we get the right there on the chest. Hi, how are you doing? Nope. I got a belly full of radioactivity. I think this was so good. What also makes me wonder is like, I love the fact that he's like pulled the Wally and has built a wall of trash with some sort of trash compactor somewhere. So this was great. The only other time I've ever seen a character like this that I've gotten a little bit of a vibe when the first time I saw the character was... Um, Cartoons. Soldier Boy. Oh. Blight from Batman Beyond. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah and noticing also, and I know we're th this will be down further, um, his Eskrima sticks. I'm going to yes. make that with, okay. What they decided to do with that, that's real science, ladies and gentlemen. So mm. it, I, it gave me a bigger appreciation for what they do, not only as a weapon, but as a plot point yeah no john's really thought this out and just tied in so many little easter eggs to every little piece of clothing to geography that is involved here like it's it's so layered like that's another thing about the story that people don't realize is just how much there is to fully invest with what you're seeing unfold and not anything is a throwaway panel which i loved about this entire one because mm -hmm. yeah. as he defeats everybody and kind of goes into his next phase, 
take a look too. Also, if you if you saw that the even when he was talking, the bubble itself was radioactive, like it had the green on there as well. So that's just a tiny little detail that I just. That's why I love doing this. Well, you know, just another thing that Rob Lee's lettering. I mean, obviously, Cheersy winner uh, really stepped up and really kind of made that impact there as well too. But we also see that obviously he's trying as Geiger's trying to adapt to the world that he's in. We see the emergence of someone, and Matt, I know you watch Game of Thrones a little bit too. Did you get Joffrey vibes with this guy? Oh, oh with without a doubt. This is Joffrey Lannister right here with his spoiled, childish mentality, how whiny he is, how demanding he is. Like the, He's the center of what's left of this world. And uh, without a doubt, man. And then even when, you know, skipping ahead a little bit, come to find out like even his mom, is around and just that grotesque beast that she is. Yeah, a hundred percent. She needs a TLC show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my six hundred pound apocalyptic life. Oh my god, that would be really good though. I'm not gonna lie. Just eating then, people. Yeah, because I mean, oh, as you god, see, just yeah. how the world is broken down at this point, we do see the shot of Las Vegas that really just kind of stands out and it gives you kind of an idea of like how the world has changed, and yet the the prince is saying he's coming for you, glowing man, because obviously he wants what's inside the bunker because it's this thing of mystery to a lot of people. But obviously Geiger is still on the belief that his family is there and he's separated from him. He wants to keep them safe and alive. And it kind of shows the ultimate sacrifice that he did as he's going along. And the only companion he does have is a unique animal known as Barney, mm-hmm. which is the two-headed boy. Yeah. He's my new favorite character. Oh, we oh, all yeah. know I, I go for the animals, so. Mm-hmm. And then as it kind of picks up, you do see a little bit of backstory of what is going on with Tyreek's diagnosis of his cancer and what he's doing to, to deal with this as well. But you're also seeing about how the kingdom in Vegas, if you will, is one that is kind of, it was puzzling to me, Lauren, I don't know about you. But I kind of sat there, I was like, how are you still having gambling going on in this post-apocalyptic world of how they have it set up? Yeah, it's like the underground and demolition man. It's like, they're just, you know, the bad guys just kind of found their own place and they're just going to do what they want to do. And they're going to, you know, pillage and murder and act like pirates. Now, quick question for everybody. Who here has been to Vegas? I have. Multiple times, yeah. Okay. So uh, just based on the way and the design for it, I mean, I know Ken's been for reasons. (laughs) Uh, We don't talk about him on air. It stays in Vegas. Um, Yes. Yes, it does. Fair. Um, But do you guys get like a very good Fremont Street vibe more than anything? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because it's definitely not modern strip that we're getting out of it. And I think what I appreciate the fact is that, and well, not appreciate it. I'm kind of on the fence about it. Like, we've got all this little enclosed Vegas and however they're circulating the air and all this, that, and the other thing. You know, these mini biomes, for Mm -hmm. lack of better words. Um, But seriously, each particular building is its own gang or mafia or crew. That one, I kind of go... Vegas ain't that big. It's, you know, honestly, it's, it's really not. Um, that's one thing that's always stood out to me too, is when you go there and especially if you kind of get that one long Fremont street area, it's, it's really not that big. Yeah. It's cramped and smaller than a lot of people think. I, I, it does. Well, yeah. What do you mean? I did not like Vegas. (laughs) It's only, it's just missing the people that are flapping the paper, you know, the, the little cards. Yeah. It's everything you see on the, on the movies. Like literally, yeah. It's yeah, New Vegas is a little different in my opinion, but yeah, Old Vegas is still the, the classic ones you know from TV and movies, and that's kind of where you see resonate here, especially when you're starting seeing the gambling going. And then you see there's a waitress that's working the casino who is trying to do something to help her family and her two kids, Haley and Henry, and she does something that the minute you see this action happen, you know there's going to be problems. And that is, she steals from the king, if you will. Mm-hmm. And she now has to send her kids away because she's trying to save them from, obviously, the tyranny that's going on. And Tom, when you're seeing this play out, like, what is going through your mind as you're watching this all unfold? 
somebody's got some grandiose idea that they've had to restructure everything in some sort of, uh, you know, monarchy, one, okay? And two, the glorification that these, you know, knights that they have, right? I'm mm -hmm. like, okay, seriously, someone's got to... That's all I'm going to say <laughs> about that. A little yeah. Napoleon-esque complex. Yes. <laughs> but, that, yeah, we got gotcha. you. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit on that. Like, it's one that, you know, when you see Geiger kind of just lurking about in the shadows and just how he gets brought into this, especially like when you see moments like this unfold where he's just like, you know, obviously looking for books. He's not looking for any trouble. He's just trying to keep people away. But when you see the two kids make the triumphant escape from the casino and the king's men come for him, you do see the king is not handling this very well as everything is unfolding because obviously somebody got away with something he wants. And then you get the shot of him without his mask. That's hot. And then, yeah, I was going to say, Matt, like, what is your reaction to this big reveal? Well, first of all, I just want to point out how hilarious the previous panel was when he makes his triumphant, like, big thing, and then he's just kicking everyone's butts, and he just turns and is like, by the way, you got any books? Yeah. It's, it's like it's just some innocent, like, child, like, almost. He's like, do you have any books? It's kind of lonely out here. And meanwhile, he's like smoking from his skull, like the whole imagery there. That's something I really appreciated and loved and couldn't help but chuckle at. But yeah, this next panel, when we do have the King and it's like, Oh dang, like he's got the blisters. He's got the, the, just his face kind of melts it away. And you're like, Oh, there's a story here uh, that we probably didn't connect at first to being with Geiger, but now it's like, Oh, there's something more unfolding. He, holds his mask because he doesn't want to appear weak to his people and uh kind of like a world war one-esque type uh prosthetic mask that he wears going forward mm -hmm. yeah like it, it does make sense to the sign of the times because like nobody else can really be unscathed of what's going on here and then you see the eventual run-in between Haley and henry and geiger and just the memories that are unfolding because at this point we don't really know what's going on we just know that the kids are trying to get away for a reason. Geiger doesn't want anything to go on here because as we're seeing the flashbacks of everybody's family unfold, I mean, Lauren, as you're seeing this go, I mean, this is probably one of the more emotional scenes I think in the mm -hmm. entire book. Oh, it's 100% heartbreaking because the mother realized, you know, they made the comment that the daughter's about to be 16. And mm -hmm. so I'm sure that meant she was going to end up, you know, becoming one of the professions that happens in Vegas. And, uh, you know, do you want that life for your kids or would you rather take the risk of, of everybody dying and honestly I, it's worth the risk i mean she sacrificed herself for her kid so it is incredibly heartbreaking especially because you have this sibling dynamic so quick goes from acting like siblings to the older daughter Haley is, is suddenly becoming a mother and i knew in that moment i'm like geiger's got to get that paternal instinct that's you know he he's got to kick in and he's got to save them he's got to do it and i knew the only way he would do that is if it were kids so yeah that one was um that was an intense scene uh very emotional um but it, it just shows the hierarchy and it's like, it's like a caste system that they've set up. So, and makes yeah. me wonder yeah. what happened to the, the husband or the dad. Yeah. They never really touched upon that. They just basically keep showing that everybody's trying to attack Geiger at his home turf, that everybody's like obsessed with what he has in the bunker. And this but, does lead to when the King, they do show the King's initial onslaught onto Geiger's home turf. And this does not end well for anybody because Geiger obviously has this, you know, defense mechanism set up. And after the king blows open the door to reveal that his family has died, mm. Tom, why don't you walk us through what happens next? Before that, if, if you notice, you, he was always talking through the door, mm -hmm. hoping that he would was talking to his kids to his daughter to, to, to his kid and his wife and the fact that it literally just blew up in his own face you know uh it's it's layered it's not just the fact of okay my my family's hurt but it's also oh they blew up what i've been protecting for 20 years and then on top of it their skin and their their bones they're completely disintegrated they're completely gone so i mean this is extremely heavy. It, it's so well thought out. Um, 
you know, what's the next step? He's he's literally lost his 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 goal in this post apocalyptic post apocalyptic life. Say that. It's years. a tongue twister. Well, and a half, man. There, to to touch on that too, though, Tom. You know, it's so, even more heartbreaking, right? Is you mentioned how he talks to the door. He mentions a line. He says, "I know you can't hear me." So when yeah. we come to realize that the door is open and it's skeletons it's like did he always know that they were dead or was it one of these he hopes they were far enough into the bunker that they just couldn't come close enough to hear him because he couldn't i say the second yeah. right I, that's where and I'm so he like there. because then later on he does make that other line that's like i lost hope and he was mm -hmm. hoping he had so much hope so much put into the fact that his family was safe in this bunker and one day they were going to come out and they were going to be reunited and that went up in flames and then that leads us to that really cool scene where he just melts his hand through that mask and just touches Ooh. his face because he just wants to be a reminder to the king of what he could have done to him and he wants to, him to live with that the rest of his life and it's just such a badass scene in comic books oh yeah the king laughing at him was just oh just showed pure pure J joffrey like the, ah, ha 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 you've been I killed ned stark grave. and now i'm married to sansa stark right it's it's a hundred percent that yeah yeah they definitely tapped into a lot of those elements too with this you know entitled brat you know thinking they can run roughshod over anybody and with geiger especially with how mentally traumatic what he's gone through mm -hmm. he realized like He's not dealing with somebody that's fearful of what the king can do because Geiger's like, what have you done? Like, I survived a nuclear blast. Mm, I'm right. a literally walking weapon. Like, what are you seriously going to do to me? And yet the fact that he starts mocking his dead family, it's game on. And Geiger is just sitting there trying to control his rage or like what's happening, but still leaves that mark on him. And you think the king would learn, but obviously, well, he's not that bright. He's arrogant. It's like oh, yeah. mocking Michael Jordan when you're ahead. Like, well, there you just gave him like fuel to the fire. Or Tom Brady, yeah, twenty to three. Yep. Or f around and find yeah, out. Yeah, all of the above. He found out. <laughs> oh, literally. And I love how they do, especially in this. There's a quick panel that I know we don't have on screen, but they do tie this back to Geiger Ground Zero with Doctor Molotov, and it really kind of I like how they elaborate on that later. But as the next image shows. The family is committed now because Geiger has basically adopted the kids that they're heading to Arizona. And this is a sequence, obviously, with what is taking place. Geiger has, like, one shot to, you know, help the, find the kids' sanctuary in this crazy world. But he knows, like, he's still dealing with his own trauma. And, I mean, Tom, when you're seeing this unfold, like, how do you think this is all going to be, you know, unfolding? Dad power is activated. It's not just nuclear <laughs> power. It's dad Dad's strength activated. is real. Well, I mean, and, and yeah. you got to find somewhere to I place mean, your your love, your anger, your everything. Yeah, he he needed to refocus, and I think that with, like I said, dad powers activate, sa saving the kids and going to the only place that he would consider being a safe place. You know, uh, being at NORAD was a smart idea. Um, you know, assuming that you know the U.S. government's all on the up and up. Yeah. It's like Firefly. Oh, I know. It, it, mm -hmm. You know, it's the sequence that he's just obviously trying to do anything to keep these kids alive because he's already lost one family. He doesn't want to lose two. And he's still dealing mm -hmm. with his own trauma as they're going through. Meanwhile, the king decides to go meet with the queen, shall we say, his mother. <laughs> and she is... Not a, look like Cersei. Yeah, that was going to say. Definitely not Cersei. As the gambling is unfolding... You do catch wind that obviously word of Geiger's movements have definitely made its way back to the kingdom and the events unfolding there that you're now having them get chased. The fun part that I liked about the mom is she very much gave me a vibe from uh, I can't remember which Blade movie it was. Mm -hmm. Oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. Whether he's he's putting the sun and the UV light on her. Mm -hmm. She boiled. Yep. Yeah, I think it was the second one. Or that's it. So I, I, I like that, you know, it, it, whether that that was a choice or if that was something that was back in their, their filing cabinet of, you know, nerdy, nerdy nonsense. Mm. I liked that. Oh, yeah. No, it was perfectly set up because as we see, obviously, the king is trying to send its guards to go find them. They do make their way to NORAD, 
which is a really interesting sequence of events because they get there and everybody thinks it's going to be okay. And then sure enough, it's not. Never I mean, is. You're seeing this when they finally get to their destination and they get captured. What is going through your mind? I mean, you think they're safe, right? Like they made their destination, but in the back of my brain, I'm like, it's never that easy. So I'm, I'm waiting for the shoe to drop. And sure enough, I mean, Henry has leukemia comes to find out. And then like, they basically order like, Hey, kill him. And it's just like, first of all, you can never trust the American government, man. Like you can never trust the government. If you take anything away from this episode today, don't trust the government. <laughs> But seriously, though, like they they're just as bad as the other side of the fence. So then you're thinking like, well, where the hell can these kids grow up and where can they like you're just feeling well, the so healthy deeply. kids can grow up. Yeah. Like, these, yeah, the healthy kids get to live a life. So she'll get to live a life. But then you're just like, dude, it's just like moral dilemma after moral dilemma and the way that they handle them in this book. And it's just they 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 have it all. Really, they pull at your heartstrings. They got the action. And that's what I really appreciate about this. Yeah. Like everything's fine in bossing say yes there is no cancer in bossing say well that's the other thing that they're trying to say is like they're when they try separating henry and Haley, geiger is also taken out too and then you see the dramatic escape as he's trying to go save the kids lauren when you're watching these events unfold like did you say this kind of reminds me a little bit of the walking dead per se or yeah like Like, it's like that's the vibe i got from it so i was curious 100 percent it's like this was terminus. This was Alexandria. There's no, you know, set safe establishment. And it's I always think of that line from Infinity War when Captain America says we don't trade lives. And as soon as you encounter a character or an establishment that does trade lives, even if it's for the betterment of everybody, that's when you know you have a villain on your hand. And that's when you know it's not going to end well. And Haley, that was the whole point. She was fleeing to protect her brother, essentially. She instantly became the, the mother role there. So she wasn't going to just let her brother die. And what was interesting, though, was seeing the the woman who worked for the government, seeing the sweet look on this kid's face, who's thanking them for the food and thanking them for the dessert. She did not want to essentially euthanize him, but they're mm -hmm. like, we just don't have the resources. So from a logical standpoint, sure, that makes sense. We're trying to survive in this apocalypse. We have only so many resources that needs to be applied to the, the healthy kids. You know, what is it when like in cliffhanger, when you're hanging from the rope, you know, cut the bottom person. So at least you can be saved, but that's not what the hero does. And you know, Geiger's, Geiger's that anti-hero kind of thing, but like he's he's not going to trade lives. Well, he's going to kill bad guys. It's like you know Arnold yeah. Schwarzenegger, yeah. But they were all bad. But I, uh, I, I, you knew it was coming, but you didn't know it was coming. The leukemia thing totally threw me. But I did when the kid said he was tired earlier. It's like they don't put lines like that in books for no reason. Like that was a little kid generally doesn't say I'm tired unless they're like, you know, trying to get an iPad or something. Like, Ask my five-year-old laying in bed right now. She hasn't once said she's tired. <laughs> yeah. My six-year-old couldn't stop talking when he had a mouthful of dinner tonight. It's like, just calm down. <laughs> so. But then when you see the events of full Geiger and Barney make the big save and then you have this panel that comes on and it's just absolutely you know, the heartbreaking one right uh, here too. I mean, Tom, why don't you walk us through this, your reaction seeing this? Leading up to this, we find out that uh, his Escrima sticks here. Um, so people can understand like, how is he touching them without having suits on? Mm -hmm. Okay. Because the whole time prior to this, they've had suits on. Um, apparently these Escrima sticks here are actual nuclear control rods covered in boron, which is again, real science. Science. So they keep, science they keep him in check so his his levels are down so apparently he can handle the you know be around normal humans it's like soldier um, boy like he gets yeah. the build up and then so soldier boy they just need to build him a vest with some rods and jensen ackles can come back any chance there you to go. talk about jensen ackles <laughs> <laughs> i mean i'll have to send you i got a great picture from comic-con i'll send you anyhow yeah. but as we're, as we're saying this is all taking place Norad is not exactly ready to let Geiger and everybody leave the base. And they activate a certain character that is going to make its rounds in the new Ghost Machine unnamed universe. Matt, talk to me about Junkyard Joe here. Man, Junkyard Joe makes his appearance, but at the time they call him like the, the robot, right? So uh, yeah. you don't really know anything about him. He's just like this, this robotic ultron type character right he shows up and the two go at it and it's actually a pretty really good fight because geiger's like 
you're just going to send this hunk of metal at me. I'm going to melt it away. I'm going to take care of business in no time. And then he comes to find out. He's like, what the heck? Like, why aren't you melting? And he's like, dude, what, what's going on here? And they, the, he ultimately decides to go radioactive and blows everything up. Right. And it's a very, just like he tells the kids to get far away from him. And it's a very like daunting scene. And cause that's like his last resort. And in your mind, you're kind of like, Oh, is this the end? Like what happens if he does fully go nuclear, so to speak. Um, but it also leads to a really beautiful panel where the kids kind of talk him and it's like, dude, no, like you can control this. And mm -hmm. it's like, they help each other. But yeah, this fight sequence was crazy. He's, he's stabbing them and there's just all sorts of crazy action going on. And it's so beautifully drawn. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, like I said, the artwork that's done by Gary Franklin and with Brad Anderson and Rob Lee, just creating this whole scene. Like, that whole top panel right there. Just, I mean, you want to talk about a picture that speaks volumes. When you're seeing that all unfold, it just adds so much to the event. And then you're seeing just, you know, obviously everybody's watching from afar. And the levels that Geiger is willing to go to protect these kids because he really feels like it's his family. And as you're seeing... You know, there's the line too that Haley says, like, you know, we're a family, we're here for you too. I mean, Lauren, when you're watching this, like, what's the reaction? It's what he needed to hear, you know, is obviously a parallel with his family of, you know, run away, let me save you. But like, what's really sad is you know, his biggest fear when everything went down was that his family was going to go on without him. And now he's having to go on without his family. So, I mean, you, you see that in all sorts of apocalypse stories where, you know, the, the woman who lost her child adopts the child who lost the parents. So it's very sweet. And then just the whole bonding with the fact that he had cancer and Henry has leukemia. It was all it was that moment of sweetness you needed after like all this, like, you know, the visceral grossness of the queen mother and all these horrible things going on. And a lot of the horrible things going on were very subtle. They weren't put out there that like, this is what's going to happen to the daughter and this is what's actually going on. So it was nice to have that moment of sweetness and calmness and, and them bonding. Yeah. Cause things don't stay like that for long, obviously, because the King has not forgotten about Geiger. And even treks across many, many miles to go find him. And then we get this moment, too, of the big battle. And it kind of just ties into where Geiger sends the kids away because, obviously, he knows he's still a wanted man. And, Tom, like, why don't you walk everybody through this kind of sequence of events? Long story short, his kingly assness Warriors. decided to, to get everybody else to gang up on Geiger and uh let's just say for lack of better words it all blows up in his just face. look at that smug uh, look uh, that smug look uh, on the uh, king's uh, face yeah and he had that painting all ready to go and everything. It's very mad max like you get a lot of mad max vibes too which is what i love about this like there's a lot of really cool pop culture deep cuts within this comic book that uh look at you, you know I, just reading it again i just want to sit down with them and be like man so what were you watching right before die you know each issue right Oh, yeah, we, we just got to pick their brains. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I would say that's fairly certain to happen again sooner than later. Yes. Nudge, nudge. But then even we get this, uh, piece, this panel right here, which... Best panel of the whole book right there. He found peace. Speaks volumes with very little words. He found peace because at this point, Geiger unleashes everything he has to kill the king and the nuclear knights. Barney is watching from a distance. And mm. you just see that it's now become a, 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 an idea of legend about what's happened because it ties back to when the scientists are kind of sitting around and just talking about Geiger's story. And they say, no, this is the beginning of what's happened because now with the king off the board, the, his mother has now taken the place. And then we get a surprise character at the end that is now involved with them. And Matt, who is this? Oh man, I'm blanking. Rick. I'm gonna be honest. Yes, that's yes, yes. And uh, this is leading into something bigger, right? And uh, the the final scene, it's like you just Finn, and it's such a mic drop moment too, because you thought everything like you're because you're like, oh, that the king is dead, ding dong, the witch is dead, and uh, turns oh, we're out we're talking about sorry, Bob. <laughs> yeah. I was hung up on the, the Rick guy with the campfire. I thought that was a really cool circular sort of events. Mm -hmm. Yeah, how they kind of bring him in, because he's almost like the narrator to this. Yes. Yeah. 
But they perfectly bookend it too. Like we see them a lot in issue one, and then right here at issue six, GI Jane moves that fast. And then it's it sets up for what they they left us too, and this is something that's going to be instituted. You'll see this a lot more in the upcoming months, and that's the unnamed timeline that's going on. And there's obviously, if you follow along with what has been going on with Ghost Machine, you know who's involved with this. A certain immortal that's in 1776. And then we have the Northerner. The monster is made in 1944. Junkyard Joe. American Widow X. And then the first ghost. And then when the unknown war erupts. And then when Geiger walks across America. So, sorry. I wanted to go ahead about that. the, The unknown war. So, a lot of people don't know this maybe, but a lot of our military officials and things like that have always predicted that in the year by the year 2030 around that year is when China is supposed to make a move on Taiwan. And so I wonder again, talking about deep cuts, if Jeff and crew knew that because it's not really a secret, it's very public, it's nothing groundbreaking, but it's been something they've been talking about for years. So when I saw that date to me, um, in my background, I was like, oh, 2030. Um, that's a date that's been like drilled into my head. I wonder if that's just a random date they chose. Or again, mm-hmm. now I need to ask them next week at Megacon, be like, 2030. Was that because of the whole, like, that's when China's supposed to make their move, et cetera. And uh, yeah, that one really stood out to me. And again, deep cuts, man. I just, I just love when they do deep cuts. Well, and a lot of times deep cuts are subconscious and not even intentional. And it's just, you know, the, the pop culture that we've all grown up on and that we've, you know, seen it. Like how many times have you like said something and like you're all of a sudden Wayne's world is on and you're like, oh, I got it from that. I didn't even realize. And I've been saying it for almost 30 years. How old is that movie? I don't want to do that math. Oh, it's from like 90. No, yeah, 1990. Okay, thank you. I didn't want to do that math, Matt. Thank you for that. Don't though. worry. It's as old as so, I am. <laughs> son of a bitch. So Lauren was mentioned about things coming full circle. I got a thing here and I want everybody's opinion on this. Okay. Um, since we saw that, you know, Geiger walks across America is going to be 2050 and, and the events of one through six take place in 2030. Right. There was one panel where the two scientists that were examining the scene said that he knew the girl from the story. I think that's grown up Henry. Oh, yeah. That's what I thought it was. And, and here's my theory why he knew the girl from the story. Hear me out now. If, Wait, if they decide to write this out and whatnot. No, the guy that right, knew the girl from the story was Rick. It was the kid with the eye patch. Remember his glasses? The other guy. The other, the other guy. But the other guy was the one being told the story, wasn't it? I'm here for the tinfoil hat, Lauren. Don't poke holes in this tinfoil hat. Just put on your hat for us for a second. Thank you. Tinfoil hat's on real quick. I believe that was Henry. And on top of it, I think that they stayed with Geiger and the radiation eventually got her, but it healed his leukemia. Oh. And so now he's out. That's it. Oh. Oh. I put it out on the internet. I think it was like, I know the story, but tell me the story. I want to hear it. Because that's got to be Rick yeah. because that kid that walked out and was like goofy. It was like, what is this kid doing? And you see one of his glasses is cracked. And then you mm-hmm. see the guy has like an eye patch. But I think the other one was, was okay. Was Henry. I did love the like, campfire story element that it was, you know, you're Lawrence really me. hung up on making s'mores and getting a campfire. I story. love s'mores. They are <laughs> fantastic. I can't argue that. It's, it's hard um, to argue. <laughs> but it was just, it was cool how it started with that. And I don't want to get into the comic that's releasing tomorrow, but you Listen, if you read our review, speaking of s'mores, just know I was really hungry when I wrote my portion of the review. You can tell (laughs) talking about wedding cakes and things. (laughs) No, but you know, it definitely it shows just even for sliding in under the radar, so to speak, that at the time I don't think any of us knew what was gonna be unfolding with Ghost Machine and to see that how they did this and then Junkyard Joe and then they did the 80 page uh giant one shot. It was kind of just like a bunch of different short stories. And then Geiger Ground Zero, which just came out at the end of last year, which is a two-issue origin story, like almost a year one, so to speak, of Geiger and Dr. Molotov. Like, it's just a very cool companion piece for what we're going to jump into now, obviously, with what is going to be unfolding at the comic shops. But before we get, you know, obviously put our stamp of approvals on this, was there anything that you did not like about the series starting with more? Oof make me do a first with that um i don't think so i genuinely did enjoy the story from beginning to end uh i can't think of anything particular that really bothered me it uh, well i I would like to know how the two-headed dog has survived is he radioactive or does this just not impact animals so wolves are just 
safe from radioactivity. They just get two heads. Maybe like the Simpsons with the. Well, because you look, fish. there was uh, there was bugs. There, they fought off bugs in the beginning, right? When but those were like there. bugs that had like were like grossly mutated. Well, yeah, I guess, and the wolf, okay. I guess, was grossly mutated too. He wasn't grossly mutated. He was adorable. He was. I just wait to more head, that. The goodest of boys. Yeah. How about you? Uh, look, I've already said my gripe about the whole idea of how Vegas being so right on top of itself that they had all these factions right there. Um, aside from that, it's damn near perfect. I feel like it was a play on the cheesy themed motels or hotels. Mm. Oh, absolutely. I should say I've only been to Vegas once and I was with my kids, so I didn't really do Vegas. I've been a bunch of times. It's you've been, once, was you've been I did the every Avengers time, essentially. Mm. No, I make every single time I go out there a different experience that's fair <laughs> my uh my best friend lives out there so i i frequent but man i don't i'm with you guys i don't really have anything that i didn't like um i thought oh the story flowed well and everything just mm -hmm. kind of was beautiful and there was a lot of emotion behind everything uh, i guess the only thing if i have a gripe it ended too soon for me uh that would be my one gripe is i wanted more right away so yeah, I mean, there, there really wasn't anything I, I was like, was wrong with it. I mean, I think that, you know, obviously, Jeff Johns does a, an amazing job with his storytelling. I mean, obviously, his track record speaks for itself. And when you pair him with Gary Frank, who's another great storyteller with the arts in, in the book, like, they really created this atmosphere of, you know, post-apocalyptic, you know, insanity. But they kind of kept a very human element, too, which is one thing I really like. And they didn't overwhelm you with it like they spaced it out just enough so you you have those moments and then they bring it back to the present time with the story that they're telling mm -hmm. so it wasn't anything that you were like okay i have to go back and read i'm here now okay but it's, it just was more a companion piece that i think that if, if anything but granted this is nothing that's taken me out of the story i felt it almost ended a little bit too cliche with the king almost mm. just like you knew that was going to happen but like i said didn't take me out of the story at all. No. So that being said, we got to give our grades for this. So let's start with Matt. What's your grade on oh, Geiger Volume One? I mean, honestly, there, I very, very easily, it's a ten for me. Um, it's not a, it's not lightly. It's hard because it, then if I just sit here and say there's nothing to that I have any gripes about, then I, I, I don't, I really don't. And I, I thought the artwork was absolutely amazing. I loved all the different pop culture references or different references within the book. I thought the writing was really well done about Geiger and how it really came full circle with the kids. Um, I didn't even have a problem with the King. I hated him that he was a villain, right? He was a one-off villain, but he did what you wanted in a villain. And that was hate his yeah, guts. Yeah. You hated him. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it's a 10, I can't sit here and say I have no complaints and give you like a 9.5. It just, just for the sake of not giving a 10, uh, it's a 10. Fair enough. Tom, how about you? Look, like I said, aside from the whole Vegas thing, this is a perfect 10. Thank you. See, thank this you. A, this, this is a, a 10 on the Geiger scale. This is so hot. Like you, it's, it's literally you gotta get a suit on off, when you touch it. Seer, honest to goodness, like if you're not out there reading this and, and one thing that Ghost Machine is doing really well is they're playing around in their universe and they're not just all making it one through line that yeah. A to B to C to D. Mm -hmm. It's making you want to go. And then all of a sudden that whole panoramic view is going to make sense. You know, you're going to see the big picture. So for this to be one of the first things that they dropped in our laps. Yeah, it's it's perfect. It's it is perfect. 10 out of 10. Lauren? All right. So one of the things, though, that did take me out was the doctor's name being Molotov. I thought maybe that was a nickname at first until they showed his full name later, that it was Dr. Molotov. I just thought that was funny. Um, I, you know, I feel like Matt's going to laugh at me now because I said there was nothing wrong with it, but I was going to rate it a 9.5. I absolutely did love it. I can't think I of anything it. I would specifically change. But I also feel like there are stories that have, you know, hit me harder, I guess. So I have to save that 10 for that that uh once in a lifetime thing I, I i think i'm just that professor that nobody's perfect so nobody gets 100. oh my god uh, <laughs> you know i hated those professors 
Um, but yeah, it was a 9.5. I'm really loving it. Like I said, I read the the other one Listen, before Lauren, too that introduced different characters. Yes. My mom finally joined and watched that. That's my mom who just waved. She never. And so you're going to disappoint her like that on the <laughs> first time ever. Yes. No, we're going to go read this now because I rated it a 9.5 out of 10. Great. <laughs> you're embarrassing me. I'm so sorry. I'm not allowed to go to the panel at Megacon now. You're off the squad. But one of the things I absolutely did love, and I noticed this in the other one I read, and the one that's about to come out as well, and what uh, Tom was saying about, like, this is science, this is accurate. They do their homework, and they do their historical homework, and I I love that, because I, I love when it's historical fiction. And I think just that's just so much fun and it just adds extra layers. And then people who are into history or into science, like you get an extra like, hey, that's accurate. And that makes it more fun rather than taking you out of it because you're like, well, that's just some BS that uh, Cisco made up on Flash. You know, it's it's fun. That's always fun to see what he does with the real stuff. Not enough BS, for a 10. You know, not enough for a 10. <laughs> well, Ken? yeah, you know, I was sitting there. I'm trying to think of something that I didn't love about it, but no, it's a ton. I think the one thing that it does is you have Lauren's got to be that girl. Very similar. That was one superhero themes going on. Post-apocalyptic world. Obviously, it's a whole new landscape. All hell's broken loose. Society is, you know, completely decayed. But yet, what keeps this story grounded is John's writing. And he keeps this about a man still trying to cling on to hope and the memories he has of the family and the world that he knew. Mm -hmm. So even as much as he's trying not to adapt to this world that he's in and the hell that he wakes up to every day, it still centers around his wanting of family. And it really resonates when he runs into the two children and he now has a purpose and even the heartbreaking sacrifice of sending them away because he knows that he will always be a hunted man in this new world. And I think just how the complexity of his character is written, matched with Gary Frank's artwork, which, I mean, honestly, a little peek behind the curtain, this is probably the most art that we've had for an episode of Turn the Page. And I literally had to cut down on all the panels because of how amazing it was. Just to show about just the epicness of what they were trying to portray here, and really elevate a story that on paper might seem like the same old, but made it into something so much more. So this is something that I, I'm stressing at you. If you haven't checked this out, make sure you go pick this up and go get Ghost Machine Ground, or I'm sorry, Geiger Ground Zero too, because it's a great companion piece. If you loved what you saw in this, go pick it up. It's well worth it. Lauren's holding up the trade paperback right now. Make sure you click on to, you know, find your local comic shops right above me and pointing to it right now and go get this along with the picks you're going to hear tomorrow. And I guess I'll lead off because obviously if we're talking Ghost Machine, that is my pick of the week. The one shot that is going to come on and really set fire to comics is something that you put a lot of hype behind and it's not selling you anything that's not real. This is going to be a book that a lot of fans are going to be talking about. Because if you're not fully invested on what this amazing lineup of creators have with this brand new company, by the time you finish with it, trust me, you're going to be all in and saying, what's next? Right. So, and it might seem yeah. a little overwhelming because a lot of different characters are named, but it's not at all. And mm -hmm. they lay it all out beautifully. So just pick one of them up and start reading. Absolutely. Honestly, yeah. Um, I can. I needed more. I'm most excited for Redcoat personally because I'm a history buff. So like Ken was saying, there is literally going to be something for everybody. Um, history, like Lauren even touched on it, man. If you love science, that's for you. And I would recommend going back to listen to our interview with them because they really, Jeff and Jason, really go in depth on that. Um, so I, I think a lot of people are going to hopefully pick this up and then April is not going to be able to come fast enough for it any of us uh with the things that they're doing april's gonna be the best month uh <laughs> of the year maybe comic book wise there's a whole lot of ball game left but there's so we'll a lot see. of stuff yeah yeah without giving too much away the april is going to be an insane month for comic readers but when we say stuff like that like we truly mean it because oh yeah there's if as long as everything is slated that comes out man it's gonna be so so much fun so so oh 
That being said, I mean, Matt, why don't you kick us off? Where are you picking up at the shop? What are you recommending? Oh, man, this is Image, one of my favorite books that has been coming out, aside from another one I've talked about, but The Schlub, man. Ryan Stegman, Kenny Porter, Tyrell Cannon. Um, they've, they've gone in and they've done something really special that breaks you away from the traditional superhero story arcs that if you're just tired of superheroes, this does something so much different. Uh, it was a six issue arc. Now, the reason why I just, I really want you guys to pick this up because there is many more arcs planned. They just don't have the green light yet. Um, so this does like softly wrap it up. It's very emotional and there's like some really triumphant moments. Tyrell absolutely just goes in there and the artwork and the layers that he really builds within his artwork and just the minute details down to like blood droplets is uh, some of the finest work that you're going to see um, in comic books right now. And so go pick that entire issue up. If you want to wait for the trade, do that. But man, please, I, I want more of this to get made. So make sure you can grab that this week. Excellent pick. Lauren, what you got? So I had uh, this week from Marvel, I had Star Wars Thrawn Alliances. Uh, so if you are familiar with the recent trilogy, the books from 2017 by Timothy Zahn, they're basically comic booking those stories. These books are where I fell in love with Thrawn and why I don't actually think Thrawn is a villain. He is a fantastic character. He's in my top five Star Wars characters. And if you watched Ahsoka or Star Wars Rebels, and or if you didn't, if you're a Star Wars fan, you should 100% pick these up. They did the first book, which is just Thrawn, and it was a perfect little concise uh, collection of basically a story from the novel. If you don't want to read the novel, you should read both. So the Thrawn Alliances was part one of the second book, so they have to break this one up more. This one is my favorite book, partially because it takes place on Batuu, which is the planet at Disney World. Bright suns. <laughs> but also because uh, it goes back and forth between Anakin and a young Thrawn, who's still part of the Ch Ch Chiss Ascendancy, and Grand Admiral Thrawn with Vader. And so the stories are parallel, and they go back and forth. And the art is absolutely gorgeous. I know you saw the one cover or the variant covers are covers like I want these covers to frame. They're so absolutely gorgeous. But mm -hmm. also the art when they're on Batu, they did a good job of making it look like Disney. And so as somebody who goes to Hollywood Studios a lot, I just loved that little extra piece of whatever. But absolutely, if you're a Star Wars fan, you have to have to have to read these comics. And if you have time, read the novels as well, because they're all fantastic. To the Spire. Yes. Meet you at the cantina, Oga's cantina. Tom, how about you? Free pick, Lauren. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm in my room. I'm in my space. Obviously, uh, Power Rangers 116 is coming out with Missy Flores, Adam Gorman, Marco Renna, Joanna LaFuente. They are doing like Zordon's work. All right, let's put it out this way. Um, with everything that's been going on right now with the Darkest Hour storyline, the sharp turn that we're getting here and getting a, a Draken story like mixed in with all of this, uh, I'm totally down for it. I cannot wait for you folks to check tomorrow and see this amazing review because, I mean, honestly, think about this, Ken. Have I said anything bad about Missy's writing yet in, in 16 issues? No. No. And I know Power Rangers. Yeah. Just say, just a bit. You're, you're the Power Rangers kind of sewer. So, trust us, like, we, we defer to you about that. But no, but in all honesty, if you haven't read uh, most of Flores' run on Power Rangers, it is the thing of legend. And it is. It, it, she's playing in the sandbox yeah. and she's picking all the great parts. Yeah, even if you're not super into Power Rangers, I highly recommend starting at issue 101 and jumping in. Trust me, it is. it's more than just for the fandom. Like, it is just an incredible story that she's doing. Uh, her and uh, Snow and Gian Fleece, like, I mean, the whole team there is just crushing it boom. So, a lot of great picks this week, and obviously, we'll be kicking off our coverage officially on nerdinitiative.com, 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. So, you click on that QR code and make sure to check out every half hour on the half hour. A lot of reviews coming. So, if you're not sure what to pick up, like, we have got the picks of the picks this week, and there is so many great books coming out on tomorrow. Like, honestly, it all starts with Ghost Machine at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, and then it goes right from there until we stop. And trust me, I think we're in the double digits for this one. So you definitely want to make sure. I think I have like five today. alone. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's insane. In fact, we have the debut of one uh, superhero talk as well joining us on the reviews. 
So who's that guy? Uh, you might you might know him if you follow Nerd Initiative. So uh, definitely stay tuned for that. Dot dot dot. And before we get out of here, Tom, why don't you let everybody know what's going on with you and everything at the Off the Cuff brand? Well, you can find me everywhere, all over. Oh wow, look, more Power Ranger stuff all over the internet, right over there. Uh, you'll see me here, obviously, on Turn Page every single Tuesday night. And coming up soon, uh, later this year, I will be uh, hosting a panel up at Syracuse Collectors Con, obviously talking Power Rangers. And then uh, later this year, man, there's things coming, and I, I can't tell you all of it. No, fair enough. Lauren, uh, why don't you tell everybody what's going on with you and Hops Geeks News? So um, if you want any Megacon coverage, definitely give us a follow on all our, all our socials, Hops Geek News. We are really in Megacon drive right now, so we're going to prep our Supernatural panel, prep our Lansing and Colin, Le Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly panel. Uh, we gotta, we'll have stickers, we'll have some koozies, we'll have mini pies, we'll have it all. Uh, we'll also be at Epcot that Friday. If you happen to be in Orlando, February 3rd afternoon, we will be drinking around the world. And riding some cosmic rewind, knock on wood. Got to set my alarm for that. And then we're going to do Mosh Isley too. So we're going to be partying till 2 a.m. after yeah. being at a con all day and then go to a con all day the next day. And then we're actually going to be hosting a brewery meetup that same Sunday to end the entire weekend. We got this. So proud of you guys. We're so young. Really? You guys are absolutely crushing it. So make sure you follow Matt and Lauren on all the socials. Matt, I think we got everything we're going on with you guys. Is there anything we missed? Any upcoming cons? No, I mean, uh, aside from Megacon, you get a month break, and then you can come and see us back-to-back -back weekends, or pretty much me, at uh, GalaxyCon Richmond, which I am sh pretty much going to have a Batman panel there. And then uh, also AwesomeCon is the weekend right after uh, GalaxyCon, or it might be flipped in my head. Either way, look them up. However, lots of great guests going there. I'm going to be at both. Um, so come say hi. Hopefully I uh, meet up with Tony and crew up there at AwesomeCon. But uh, I'm all about meeting people. So if you're at Megacon next weekend, man, find us. I'm going to be probably the tallest person in the crowd. Just look for the goofy guy with glasses. That's, uh, you know, and then Lauren's right there. If you can find her in the crowd, one of us, just come say hi to us. <laughs> if you see me look down and if I'm walking with like a short girl, then you know it's like it's us, right? Uh, I'm probably you probably going to have our Hops Geek new shirts on because you got you to rep the brand. I'll probably have even a nerd initiative. No, I'll have a fan on. You dress like Dean Winchester. That's fair. Um, so yeah, come find us, man. That's my biggest thing. We love meeting people. So come see us. Come make us feel like we're somebody. And thank you. Oh, absolutely. And for anything going on with me and the ODPH team, because we've got a lot of stuff in the works, it's simple odphpodcast.com or click on that QR code. We do love the QR codes here at Nerd Initiative. Speaking of Nerd Initiative, there's a simple checklist that you gotta make sure you're doing because there's a lot of content on the way. And it's a very simple one. You make sure you hit that subscribe button to the YouTube channel or wherever you're watching and find programming, such as Turn Page On. You make sure you click that bell notification so you never miss a moment of pop culture positivity. And hit that like button because the powers to be love seeing that like button. It helps boost the algorithm. It says, hey, we want more content, much like Wrestling Night Live. Wrestling Night Live. Which is going to Netflix. Yep. Which, <laughs> trust us, Rich and I will have much to say about the big WWE to Netflix news going on. It's also Royal Rumble weekend. There is talk yeah. of a Wrestling Night Live giveaway. So you definitely want to make sure you're staying tuned for that. And that all goes down at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Nerd Initiative social streaming networks on YouTube. So Actually, if you click that subscribe button, you click the like, you click the follow, you don't miss it. You can join in the chat and boom. That uh, that giveaway I heard is actually the number one contender spot instead of Cody Rhodes to face Roman at WrestleMania, believe it or not. I can't confirm or deny. <laughs> That's why you'll have to tune in and find out. Much like all the other great programming that's on coming very, very shortly with the Nerd Initiative. So you definitely want to make sure you're checking all of that out. And it all goes to the website. We see the QR code right there. The newsletter is out. So we've been screaming about uh, signing up for that. So if you did, you got a whole lot of information that you definitely can apply to your nerdum as you're going forward in the year 2024. There's a lot of events we've got announced there. Not the whole deck, though. So you definitely want to make sure you subscribe now. Go to the website. Go check out the comic book section. Check out everybody's amazing work that you see here in the bullpen. Because I will go on record, we're the hardest working team in comics reviewing, bar none. So uh, if you think otherwise, uh, add us. We like having that conversation. Uh, what else could we really say? Nerdinitiative.com is where you need to go. Also, because we are contractively obligated, we have to talk about get the merchandise. Because if we don't talk about the merchandise, we get, we get dinged. So you definitely want to make sure you swing on over there. 
And if you're lucky, you could get a hat like Matt has right now that he's rocking in there that you might see at Megacon. Also, some brand new gear is coming out for Wrestling Night Live. And, you know, I've been hearing rumor about Turn the Page, so we'll have to check that out there as well. Mm. So if you want to go support Nerd Initiative in the physical form, boom, right there it is. Go sign up, go get some shirts, go get some uh, tumblers, hats, you name it, we got it. And also, we have the latest show at Nerd Initiative, which I almost forgot about, Cinema Smackdown. And there's a vote going on right now, so boom, click those QR codes, get your voice in. Vote often, vote now, and definitely make sure you don't miss the next episode of Cinema Smackdown. A lot of things happening there, and uh, like I said, I don't want to play spoiler. That's why you need to go sign up and subscribe, and don't miss a minute of the content. True. So thank you to my amazing bullpen members here. And like like I said, if you're not checking out their work, do me a favor. Go sign up for their accounts. Go follow them. They're amazing people to interact with. You definitely want to talk to comics and Star Wars and other fandoms with them, because trust me, they like to talk to everybody as much as I do, too. And especially if you catch me at a comic shop, you know what I'm going to tell you. If I got a great issue in my hand, such as Ghost Machine, and I see you struggling to find something, I'm going to hand mine off to you until you turn a page. We'll see you next week. <laughs>